The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Okay, we're back with our second segment where we like to move on from the news and do a little more in-depth talk and analysis about what's going on with OU recruiting. So, Caleb, the, the first question I kind of have for you is, what do you think the the Red River recruiting response, the result response is going to be? Do you think we're going to see anybody in 2024 make a jump? Are we going to see some? I think maybe we've already talked in the first part about maybe Boganowski is the first kid, but do you think we're going to see any other movement from 24 kids? Do you, is, was this win enough to push Grant Bricks off the, off the, the Nebraska stalemate? Or, um, oh. Do you think we may see, do you think we could see a, a name out of nowhere? What, what's your, what's your prediction on the 24 impact of this? I think the long tail. Yes. I think, you know, but being able to, you know, draw that back and, and say the Texas win it's correlated and it brought this about, I think you would, you know, you'd have to say it started here, right? Meaning like the hype started here, the talk of Oklahoma, you know, being a playoff contender or a national title contender, you know, it started here and that's what helped get these kids. And so, Hey, it started with Texas, but you know, direct, no, I just – I think the one guy that it could have potentially if he was still, you know, considering Oklahoma might have been Kobe Black. Uh, but it seems like maybe there's – you know, we've heard this, right? He's he's really comfortable with a lot of the guys on the Texas team he's just friends with and, you know, played whether it's seven on seven or, you know, has, has just known. Uh, I thought maybe that could have been one. But just direct you – and know, in, in, with Bricks, I wish uh, – I starting to get that and I mentioned this to you this week this weird feeling that he just may might be a kid that does not want to go far from home and even if he ended up committing to Oklahoma when it came time to sign that you know letter of intent might he look at it and be like I can't remember the kid out of Millshoe, Texas, years ago, which is funny. That it was oh Millshoe. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he, that, he had the he had a huge OUK at his signing day event. Everybody, OU, yeah, OU banners and streamers, and he walked in and just signed with Texas Tech. It was yeah. crazy. And commenced. Cooper, I don't think ever play it down. Cooper Alexander. Is it Cooper Washington? Is no, that Cooper. Right? Yeah, that's you nailed it. I'm pretty sure Cooper Washington. I yeah, that, I think that's actually and right. I don't yeah. think he ever played it down for Tech and and didn't do much. And I think Oklahoma wanted him to be kind of like an Austin English, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think we're it, it again. I think the long tail is is where you could see it make an impact for Oklahoma. Where you know, I don't know who, right? I don't know what coaches. There will be some coaching turnover, and the other part of that is there's going to be some like there has been every year, right? There's going to be some good players hit the portal. You know, we've it talked was, a little was, bit about it. Was Cooper? Sorry to talk over you for a second. It was Cooper Washington. 
from okay. Mule from Mule Shoe, Texas, <laughs> a Mule Shoe <laughs> Mule. Uh, but you know, there's going to be. I mean, we've already seen right. Uh, what's his name get railroaded up at, at Michigan State, and he's gone. Uh, and they've got a couple. They've got some guys on their defense that are really good players, and more likely than not, let's. I would assume you know, they're going to have a number of kids hit the portal. I think yeah. that might be where Oklahoma sees the biggest push is these kids sitting around that know Brent Venables is a defensive genius that when they were in high school, Clemson was stomping people and they go, okay, okay. They're, I, that's where I want to go. I think that's so probably you think, work. You think it could be a portal bump rather than a high school bump based upon how full the high school class is? I do. I do. I think we'll see a, I think it'll be a, a an aid to the 25 for sure. But I, I think, uh, you know, I think it'll be a, a bump to the, the 24 portal class. So on the 2025 class, since you bring it up, I'm, I've been wondering whether – I know you appears to have massive momentum with 25, right? And if they continue this stretch run, I'm, I'm wondering whether OU – do you do you want OU to be a little hesitant to take too many verbals? Do you want them to maybe take this new – found national respect, especially on defense, out for a spin with some kids, um, especially next spring and, you know, January, February and March, you know, junior days and unofficial, unofficial visit days. Do you want to, do you want you to be a little cautious on taking too many early verbals, especially on defense now that maybe they've got a chance to go back to some top hundred, top 50 type defenders and say, look, we've got it. We've got, we, we got it. You need to you need to take a second look at us. Yes, uh, but I would probably say yes, even if Oklahoma would have lost the game, or if Oklahoma was setting it four and two, just in the sense of like for me, there's always a bit of hesitancy of like we're offering kids based off of their sophomore tape. Right, and we're going to take them before we've even really seen them hit the midway point of their junior year. We've only seen them play two or three games as a junior. Like how how good are they really going to be, and how much runway do they have for development? Uh, you know, are they going to be someone that comes in and they're completely maxed out? And hey, that's just you know, I don't mean to be this, and I don't want this to sound like it's a shot at like guy like Jaden Hazelwood, but a little bit like Jaden, where you know, in high school he's bigger and a little faster and a little quicker and a little stronger than everybody, but he, I don't know that he ever. He may have got a little bit heavier. Don't know that he ever got faster, quicker, more explosive, or stronger when he got into college. And so, you know, where he could bully high school kids, he wasn't bullying anybody in college. It was the opposite more times than not. So I would be hesitant there. But that said, I actually think this is a really good time. Like you pull back and look at it and say, this is the perfect example of where Brent Venables' approach to what a commitment is pays off. Because you don't have to, you know, his, hey, you've got to be all in, you know, here's the poker chip, the all in chip. You got to be all in for for me to take you as a commitment. And if you're not sure, that's a good thing. Go make sure, you know, we'll keep recruiting you, but you go make sure. So I think if anything, you know, this could be just a, uh, maybe a huge boost for the spring Oklahoma maybe is setting up to have with, with recruits in town for the 25 class. Okay, so Caleb, I know you got to see the you got to see the 
the Texas game. You've had a chance to do some analysis on it. We've talked about it in our admin chat on our message boards. For those who don't know, our message boards got good chant, good discussions on the Texas game. So can you – I just—I mean, I noticed a lot to pull away from that. A lot was going on. But what were your top three kind of recruiting, transfer, you know, either talent in the game or um, impact of talent takeaways from the game? Yeah, you know, it's funny. So the first one actually was was actually before the game. And I mentioned this on on the board uh, in chat, right, Uh, when – and it's been played somewhat ad nauseum now, right? Whether it's Paul Feinbaum, uh, whether it's Josh Pate, uh, every talking head, right? Coming out and talking, well, Texas is just further along. They're more talented. Joel Klatt saying Oklahoma's got to be a little bit worried about getting blown out. They got beat 49 to nothing last year, and this is the same team coming back in there. You've got to be careful. And I was I put it in the chat, and I was like, I just don't. I'm a little bit surprised that some of these some of these folks are saying that because it's not the same team. And you look at so for me, and Brent does a really good job of playing matchup, right? He plays situational matchup football. He's not. And let me take a shot at like I like Alex Grinch, but you know we saw it all the time, right? Oklahoma would get somebody to get Oklahoma on the goal line and he has his base defense in and they're aligned in a funky way where the other team is, has numbers to one side, but he's slanting and twisted and doing all this, right? That was not what Brent did on the goal line stand. When you go in to look at that goal line stand, what you see is when, when Texas brings in their jumbo package, right? So you remember Malik Agbo, the big, I think he's like 350, 360 pound. Yeah, from Washington. Tried to, yeah. Yeah, well, he's down to 295. He's actually lost all that weight. Remember, it's kind of we talked a little bit about how wow, okay. uh, I just Great don't know him. because yeah, he gained it a lot during COVID. Well, he's down. He's really good shape. Well, he's their jumbo tight end. So they had he's he plays tackle as well, but he's a backup tackle. So they throw eighty on him for games, and they they throw him in as a you know third tackle slash tight end. And they bring in Sweat, and they bring in Brian Murphy, right? They bring in three hundred fifteen, three hundred twenty pound defensive tackle, three hundred sixty pound defensive tackle. They actually at, save that. They save that for the OU game. If, and if you haven't, guys have not seen it. Gabe and you can find it on YouTube. Gabe and Teddy, credit to them, do a great <laughs> breakdown of the goal line series uh, from both sides of the ball. OU, um, OU's defense and Texas's offense. But um, they apparently, Caleb, had never shown that before. So they saved that for OU. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's just kind of funny because uh, you can watch it and then you can tell immediately, like, Sweat and, and, and Murphy, big guys, big athletic guys, big physical guys, they don't know what they're doing when it comes to – like just even, hey, who do I go block here? It's like I don't know, just run forward and run into somebody. Yeah. Uh, but here's a good example of where I think it paid off, and it was a transfer portal, and it was that goal line stand. And again, he went matchup football. And when you look at the eleven guys Oklahoma had on the field, it's Trace Ford, it's uh, Dejon Terry, it's Jacob Lacey, right? It's Rondell Bothroyd. It's Desan McCullough. All those guys. That was them, that group, and Ethan Downs and Isaiah Coe were your frontline defenders. 
behind them, it was, you know, you had Kip Lewis and, uh, and Danny and, and, and Jaron Kanak and, 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 and Billy Bowman, but that was frontline defenders. Those guys that won the line of scrimmage it was a bunch of transfer portal guys that they made the decision of, we've got to go get these guys. Dejon Terry pretty much kicked everybody's ass that got in front of him all game. Isaiah Coe did the same thing, you know, so he, that, which is to me, it, it highlights, you know, the coaching that they're getting from, uh, you know, from Todd Bates. But, uh, you know, the transfer portal, it paid off big. And that was something that I think stuck out, right? I mean, Dylan Gabriel, transfer quarterback, he had a legacy moment, went down, he won that game. Walter Rouse, transfer <laughs> a left tackle, he makes one of the, you know, go down as a legendary block, right? Blocks two players right. on the final play uh, to, to help Oklahoma win that game, right? Transfer player. And, and so that's, for me, what really stuck out is the quality of, of – of player Brent was able to go out and get this off season and bring in that has completely reshaped the core of the team. Uh, we talked about this a lot, right? The 46, 48 kids that left Oklahoma under, uh, since, since Riley, something around 44 of them signed with power five, one double a or junior colleges. They were not, you know, I'm sorry, group five, only, only, only a handful signed power five. I mean, They're it's, not, it's yeah. Theo, Weiss, Theo Weiss at Missouri and um, and the kids at USC and, and Spencer Rattler. And Spencer Rattler. It's, it's, it's a handful and it's not it's, – it's, it's, it's a tiny handful. And, it's, and I think one other thing, Caleb, is the, the – not to knock the kids they brought in last year, the transfers they brought in the previous season, but I think the transfers – in the last class were much more have been have had had much better bigger better talent bigger impact and have been a better culture fit i, I agree completely and it's something we we talked about this on on the board and i think you uh it was with one of your articles right that you had last week but i think it's a really important thing to highlight was i think uh, and we'll see if it if it bears out, but I, I really do believe that it will. Is I think the success that these guys are having, and and I actually think it's on the field success is a is a smaller portion of it. I, you know, not by much. Maybe it's you know fifty five forty five, but I think the success that all of these transfer kids are having at Oklahoma as leaders, as teammates, as guys in the locker room and on the field. We'll be able to look back and say, like, like I mentioned, right? Hey, Brent, when he got hired, he said he wanted to do all this developmental, and he wanted to be like Clemson. And we weren't going to bring transfer players in here. We weren't going to use the portal. Uh, we weren't going to do that. And then I, we're going to look. I think in you know two years, like, hey, you can they continue to go get transfers? Why? And it's like, well, because he learned that these guys are you know maybe a lot like junior college players, which is what you know Brent was as a as a as a football player. What, you know, what K-State was, right? I mean, this is yeah. this was K-State, you know, um, their best teams, Michael Bishop and those guys in, uh, I guess, was it the 97 team? That was loaded with transfers. Right, right. Yeah, so I, that that was probably the that, – that, that jumped off to me as much as anything. Is, uh, you know, there was – Oklahoma was a very different team in a lot of ways. And uh, 
you know, the, 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 there's beyond a shadow of a doubt the talent is being developed because, you know, you watch the technique that Ethan Downs played with in this game and you compare that to, you know, what he was last year. And last year it looked like a guy that was almost going through a drill. Being, okay, foot here, foot here, hands, where are my eyes? And you could tell, like, hey, this is so new. He was not, he was not playing free, right? He was – really having to think through his technique and you watch him in this, the technique has become just second nature. The technique is just what he's doing and he's playing football off of it. Uh, and he, I mean, everybody in Kyle did too, right? Like talking about, you know, Kelvin Banks is, you know, future first round top 10 pick and he's, he's all these things. And I'm not sure if you lined it up and you graded them both. I don't know that Ethan Downs didn't get the better of him you know, for the course of the entire game, I think he probably did. Uh, and that was something that was never going to happen last year, no matter how physically talented Ethan was, because the technique side of it wasn't there because, you know, small school and high school and, you know, reality is Alex Wrench does not teach fundamentals of football. He does not teach hands, feet, eyes, angles. He does not teach those things. It is a scheme built on, Chaos, havoc, and odds, and uh, you know it was going to take those guys like that time to get ramped up and develop. So that really the second part I think that we saw throughout it was just you are seeing the developmental piece flourish inside the program and with the talent as well as you know the transfer pieces, and it's kind of all coming together for what looks like a I don't know a pretty interesting team. I think it's that I think you see it. You know, to me, I saw it with, you know, Jalil Farouk is a much better player this year. Uh, yeah, he did. He looks he looks different in every way. You know, he looks he obviously is more confident and uh, he knows what he's doing more. He knows the offense. There's some things where I think, you know, the more you're in that, the more you understand how guys play against it. Right. You understand the strengths and weaknesses of it and, and how to exploit things and, and, and how to get out of, you know, risky areas. But he, he looks, I mean, it's hard not to say that, you know, he's not a, that Schmidt hasn't had an impact on him from a developmental standpoint because he does look like a very different, different player. I mean, remember Barry in the pre, like, I think the last break the kid, the players had before August camp, uh, Farouk was doing like some drill stuff and Barry's like, he looks much faster. And I'm like, Okay, Barry. What, what are you? Okay, what are you? What are you seeing? And you know, it's just and he just and Barry does his usual, you know, interesting analysis of, of breaking stuff down. And I'm like, okay, well, that's that, that's interesting. But I think it was just the, you know, you got players like Isaiah Coe, and then you've got Farouk, and but then you've got, you know, redshirt freshmen or sophomores that are playing much better, juniors, Stutzman, um, you know, Gentry Williams, and then you've got Dasan McCullough. Uh, and then you've got, you know, PJ uh, at defensive end. It's just, it's, it's an interesting mix of, it's an interesting mix of different pieces and, and different guys playing and, and fitting and fitting in their roles. Right. So it's, you know, Billy Bowman probably had his best game. One of his best games as a Sooner. Definitely um, was more impactful games. Yeah. What are you, more impactful. So it's, and he's a junior, right? So it's not, you know, before we were just seeing, you just never saw guys get better, and it was just always so frustrating. Like, and sometimes they would regress, right? We're like, why are they getting worse? Yeah, but it's just, no. but it's like game one, right? The Arkansas State game to now, you're seeing these guys, and they're just, 
you know, they're playing better and better. And it's just, it's, it's almost like we keep waiting for the balloon to pop. Like when, when's somebody going to stop our guys from getting better? Right. You know, when's, when does, when does the, you know, when, when, you know, somebody going to stop this, you know, I keep I keep waiting for like, Oh man, the guys aren't getting any better after, you know, you know, like, Oh, well, it was nice that they were getting better for a while. You know, it's sort of have so much PTSD over, lack of defensive development that it's just uh, it's, it's it's funny you say that because i think in a lot of ways the first uh the first quarter of the iowa state game provided that right i think yeah. most ou fans were like okay here we go we're going to regress back and we're going to have we're going to have those games where it's just going to be a shootout and we're going to play an offense that shouldn't score and a quarterback that shouldn't do great you know and, and iowa state's quarterback's decent and their offense isn't, you know, the worst in the country. But, you know, you looked at it on paper and said, this should be a game. They shouldn't score more than 10. You know, they shouldn't score more than 14. And you're, you know, 10 minutes into the game, they've got 14. And you're like, oh, crap. It's going to be a shootout. So it's one of those. We've, you know, I've PTSD is here. We're going to have the shootout game. And then Oklahoma just completely clamps it down. Uh, you know, and – which, which we haven't seen before either, right? We, we're not, we don't know how to process that either. Oh, yeah. And, we we and, stopped them from scoring for three quarters. Had, okay, we don't know what that is either. Yeah. The other <laughs> thing, the other like major takeaway from the game is is more of a mental development thing for me. Which you know, just from a talent perspective, I think it's again we talked about it with like Daniel, right? It's it's what the game's played. And your mental toughness and uh, your ability to overcome adversity and your ability to take coaching and all those things is as as important and as valuable as your physical ability and your you know how how you run and how you close distance and how you do those things. But I think we we we're seeing a it's a much stronger team mentally. Uh, you know, you're not seeing guys late in games looking for excuses to lay down. You're not seeing guys looking for teammates to make a play. I think that was something we all noticed for a number of years, defensively especially, right? And even offensively, it got to where the culture was, we'll just turn and look at the quarterback and he'll go make a heroic play. Because that's that's what we are. Defense will just fold up, and offense will go save us. Offense, everybody just look at the quarterback. He'll you know he'll he'll, he'll go play backyard ball and make an, a playoff schedule, and he'll win us this thing. And I think we saw that last year in crunch time. You know, again, Oklahoma lost all those one possession games, and and this is one where in a one possession game they rose up and had a historic you know goal line stand. They went down and then missed a field goal. They had failure. And they overcame uh, mistakes. There's a big penalty on that final drive that got Texas, you know, within field goal range, right, to go ahead in the game. And Oklahoma got the ball back and marched right down, scored, and won the game. And it's just, you know, last year this team wasn't mentally strong enough to do that. And for if and if Oklahoma didn't have, you know, Kyler and Baker and Jalen and it didn't have those guys for the previous, you know, I guess, what was it, six seasons before, uh, right? Then none of those teams were mentally strong enough to do it either, right? It was it was those guys leading those efforts. But to see, you know, 22 players, 85 players, 105 players, whatever whatever it was, you know, all come together and play as one and, and, and have, you know, the, the character and the mental strength to fight through it all, I thought was uh, – you know, it's, it's, again, it's as big as, it's as big as a talent on the field. 
Okay, Caleb. So one of the, I think one of the other sort of um, scenarios or or stories coming out of this is that we're looking at a rematch in the conference championship game. That's what everyone's projecting. And kind of one of the narratives, a little bit getting a little play, is that you know Texas with their three turnovers and and uh, and didn't have their tight end or their, their cornerback Ryan Watts, and the tight end was limited. That you know Texas played badly, and that in a rematch that you know OU so this is OU had sort of like a Cinderella kind of win. That in a rematch, you know, it's, it'll be different. It'll be different. Texas will win. So, can you give me just a quick opinion on how you think a hypothetical rematch might go? Yeah, you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm not the big fan of. I don't like that revisionist history for the Texas side. It's simply because when you really yeah. pull back and you look at the game, if you watch the film, which it surprises me that so many talking heads that are like football guys, quote unquote, have I've heard them kind of parrot that. And I'm like, have you actually looked at any of the highlights, any of the tape? Have you watched any of the drives? Have you taken a look at it? Because the first thing that sticks out is Oklahoma kicked Texas' ass in the trenches. Oklahoma won the game because they won the line of scrimmage. Texas turned the ball over because Oklahoma was a more physical team. And uh, I'm sure in a rematch, Texas would come out and really, you know, nut up and gut up and and try to match that physicality. It's just really difficult to suddenly get stronger, more explosive, and better in those areas uh, in a season. Right. And so where I think Oklahoma again has the advantage interior defensive line against their interior offensive line. That's a that's that's a matchup, Oklahoma. I, I think it favors them again. Uh, you know, and I, I, I would concede that a healthy Jatavion Sanders would be a, a really big, big weapon for Texas. You know, one of the things though, like and again, nobody wants to talk about this. You watch that text the Texas versus Alabama game. A lot of what he did was on designed kind of some boot action, uh, some throwback screen game, right? Like it looked like Alabama had never seen a tight end screen. And and Texas just chewed him chewed him up on that. And there's some really good clips you can find online. Some people have pieced these together. I think there's some on the site where uh, there's plays of, hey, here is this play Texas ran against Alabama. Here's this, and it's on the top side. Here's the same play against Oklahoma bottom side. And it's Jonah Lulu sniffing out the screen and jumping off on it. And so Ewers has to hold it. Gets gets sacked for twelve yard loss or whatever it is by downs, right? It's same thing where it's there's some clips of like, hey, here's some of the t- quick game they were able to spring and break a tackle and get on the edge, and you're watching them against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is just kicking their ass on the edge with their corners. And again, this is an Oklahoma team that was without their starting quarter Gentry Williams about a half of football and was playing a backup safety at corner, right? So. I, you know, there's Texas. I think would definitely have some success. Uh, you know, because Sark's a really good offensive coach. I, I said it to you know, joke with Damian on the uh, you know a little bit about I think his ego. You know, I turned to my wife watching the game. It's like that that goal line stand was Sark's ego. He wanted to you know shove it down Oklahoma's throat and prove a point. He wanted a big highlight play of his defensive tackle blowing somebody up, and instead you get, they got their ass kicked. 
so I think they would come out and probably play a little bit differently. But here's the here's the thing to me that favors Oklahoma, right? Is they're the younger team. Texas is the more veteran team. And so meaning to say that is in six games, Oklahoma's likely going to be a lot better. And if Oklahoma cleans up, you know, special teams, I mean, they beat Texas by 14 or 17 points on Saturday, right? If you don't give up a fake punt, you don't give it punt blocked, right? You don't do these things, uh, you know. Miss a field goal. Miss a field goal. But, you know, but you look again, you look at that front, right? I mean, Trace Ford, he's first year on this defense, he's just getting comfortable. First year back healthy, you know, just getting rolling. Dejon Terry, Jacob Lacey, first year on the defense. They're just, they're just starting to get comfortable. Bothroyd played a lot of football, first year on the defense. Uh Desan McCullough, this is his first time ever really playing in this amount of space, first year on the defense. Super young. Uh Jaron Kanak, first time ever playing linebacker. This is his his first six games he's ever played with the first six games of the season. Who he's who he should continue to grow into, right? So, and, he, and then look out if Kip Lewis continues to get run. Uh, I would expect again Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson. You know they're they, you know Nick Anderson's played his first six games, right? Got whatever it is, six touchdowns. He's just going to get better. So I just I think Oklahoma's got more runway that when these two teams meet, who they're going to be going to be very different. You're going to come out and say, hey, they've got to have another you know All American, unbelievable game by Dylan Gabriel to win. Maybe, maybe not. You know, it might be a game where they come out and it's like, gosh, you know, they're suddenly their defensive line's playing even a lot better than they were in October. Uh, you know, PJ Batabore, you know, suddenly he's, you know, almost an every down guy. So I, I think Thomas, you know, Thomas. Starting to get, you know, maybe he gets healthier and healthier and has more run and you have even more speed off the edge, right? And yeah. You know, I, I just I Texas, just Texas tackles were not the I mean, I think the Texas tackles got outplayed by the OU tackles. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think it's it's really Oklahoma's better on the edge. Oklahoma is better on the edge than Texas is on the edge. Texas edge de- defenders are good players. Uh, they are not, you know, not they're not all conference, all you know, caliber players. And uh, again, I think, you know. You look at this in six weeks, and you say, "Okay, what might Dijon not Dijon? What what might Desan McCullough be now that he's back healthy and playing? Like, what might Jaron Kanak be? Because he's flying around the field. He's yeah, just what, flying. What's Gen, what's Gen, what's Gentry Williams going to be? He's played six games of college football. What's he going to be when you know he's got twelve and he's seen this offense before? Like, it's just again." You know, in offense, it's the same thing, right? You've got so many young guys that are just getting their feet wet and just getting going. Uh, they were able to lean on, and we're making plays against this te- veteran Texas team. So, yeah, I would it even I would, looks it, it even looks like, and, and maybe maybe I'm I'm hitting way too much of the hopium here. It even looks like Stodden is playing better. Oh, he absolutely had his best game of the season, particularly from a blocking perspective. But you know. And that could just be – I know everybody's kind of said he's he's got a lot of tread on the tires or doesn't have much tread on the tires, rather. And he's, you know, a lot of a lot of mileage on the odometer. I, I think sometimes there's just a – you know, again, 
This is the first time he's ever played in this offense or this type of offense. He played in a Lincoln Riley offense his first years in Norman, and then he went and played in a pro-style offense. And there's just a reality a, a bad, of – Apparently a bad offense based upon the Yeah, a very bad, yeah, I mean, very just, bad offense. I mean, it, yeah, and there, it's, it's, there's just a reality of – see, there's just a reality of like you being comfortable with – the scheme and you being comfortable with not only knowing what you're doing, knowing what the guy's doing next to you, but the more, you know, the, the more sparring, so to speak, you have, right, with with opponents, the more you understand, you know, how they're going to try to attack you. I've talked about this before, you know, like I growing up, I was a huge Buccaneers fan. I say huge. I was a big Buccaneers fan. I mean, Mike Allstott was my my spirit animal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, I mean, right. I mean, yeah, my age. Last, I mean, last great, last great NFL fullback, right? I mean, it's just amazing. And Mike Allstott, John Lynch, Hardy Nickerson, uh, Derek Brooks, I could, I can name them all, but, uh, you know, then Tampa too, everybody talked about, Hey, this is a really simple defense. And I remember, you know, seeing interviews with Rondé Barber and he's like, yeah, it is simple. And yeah, teams know how to attack it. He's like, but the inverse of that is true. We know every weakness the scheme has. We know every strength it has. And we know exactly how teams like to attack it and what they're trying to do when they attack it. And, you know, that's, you know, Oklahoma all is so young in so many spots. You know, you're going to give all of these guys, all of these players are going to have six more you know, games of essentially, you know, ring time, so to speak, right? All that additional sparring, they're able to download all that information. So they're, I would expect them to just, uh, that's actually got to say, why it's an interesting team to me is what might they be in six games? Uh, They've been so consistent. I have, it's difficult to see them coming out and just having a game where someone that's not great just bullies them you know, and, and, and runs the ball all over him and just hits him on big plays and they just fall apart. Uh, you know, you know, and, and, and the other thing is if you're Texas, you got to, I think you'd be a little bit concerned about, or if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're maybe a little bit excited about is, you know, does Gavin Sawchuck begin to get healthy and does, does he start to get more and more reps and do they start, can they find a one, two between, you know, Gavin being a bit more, you know, a guy that could pop big plays and then tall weed. Lightning, could, lightning and thunder combo, yeah. right? A little bit of, yeah. a, you know, a little, you know. The the thing that strikes me is that it, it's, I think you're pointing like the youth, the youth of the team, the improvement from, I mean, we've seen the improvement from game one to game six. And then, you know, and then six through 12, you know, again, it's just at this, it's, it's, the team's improving. It isn't this, it isn't like this, you know, oh, man, the guy's getting worse or they're not getting any better. You know, you're, you're just going to just wash away all those old feelings out. So talking about 6 through 12, so I asked in our last podcast, and we put the Texas game in a parking lot, right? Because I didn't want you to have to say, oh, you're going to lose that game or or or, or put, go too much into what had happened with Texas. I wanted to focus more on what the, the positivity of the first five games have played. So. We can now pull the Texas game out of the parking lot, right? Add it in the win column. Based upon what you see out there and what you see in the Big 12, especially the last last weekend, um, what do you think OU's final regular season record is going to be? 
Is is the Big Twelve championship game a part of that or no? No, it's not. I won't make it. I won't make it. I won't make that part of it. So keep it okay. simple. Just the regular season. How many regular season games they have left? Six. Six. Yeah. Twelve and zero. Okay. I, I ran. I, I'll ha- we'll have an article up on the site. Uh, I mean, Kyle's been running all kinds of numbers for us in admin chat, like projections upon projections, and like here's eighty models, and here's where OU is, and things like that. So, um, well, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I, I I ran. I just wanted to see, and I'll, again, I'll, I'm going to put together an article, and we'll have it on the site, hopefully by tomorrow's Thursday, by Friday morning, and. Just started looking at okay, just from a matchup perspective, uh, when you're looking at how does how do these teams run the ball? How do they stop the run? How do they throw the ball? What's their pass defense look like? Do they turn the ball yeah. over? Do they you know those types of things, right? So kind of high level, and then maybe digging a little bit more the schedule. I mean, I, what if I told you that yeah, Kansas is really good on offense. But what if I told you they had like the hundred first ranked passing offense in the country? And what if I told you everybody thinks BYU is a trap game, but they rush the ball for an average of 62 yards a game, and they're like 120th in rushing offense. And so there are some things where every single opponent Oklahoma has left on their schedule. It's not like, oh, they have one, you know, and UCF's a good example, right? UCF's got probably the best offense. I think they've got the number three or five rushing offense, and they still are like, I'm going to say 43 maybe, somewhere in those ranks in terms of throwing the ball. So they've got a good offense, right? They, on average, they're I think they're the 120th ranked rush defense in the country. They give up an average of over 220 yards rushing a game. And so, I would again, I would hope that that would be a game you see Oklahoma come out and just be able to – you know, really get the run game going and, you know, go for north of 300. So, yeah, I've got to go 12 and 0 because when you really tear it apart and you start looking at, okay, again, I, I'm a firm believer like you went along the line of scrimmage and, and defense travels. What team left on that schedule is going to just, you know, run the ball all over Oklahoma or is just going to control the line of scrimmage on both sides and make it for a really long day. You know, I would say like, hey, does you know West Virginia's got a really good defense? Do they give them do they give them some trouble? And it's hard to come away saying like, I have a really hard time seeing West Virginia really get after. Even if they stop Oklahoma's run game, I have a hard time seeing them really get after Dylan. And uh, you know, I, I've seen what Dylan did against Texas and also what he did against Iowa State, especially, right, when you let him sit back there and just kind of throw the ball. He's he's uh, he's found a new comfort level, it does appear, uh, you know. So I, I got to go 12-0. Yeah, to me, I, 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 I've been – I think I actually predicted 12-0 in like one of our – or one of our – uh, when Matt was on – when Matt was – when you and you, you, Matt and I were doing a like a weird prediction back in June, to me, Caleb, it's number one. I I don't see that I don't see that quarterback threat, like you know the guy who's consistently leading his team above what they really are. Um, you know that 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 doesn't I don't see that from the quarterback lineup, especially if if Jalen Daniels doesn't pe- doesn't play in that that situation. Is a little I was weird. Say, do we want to talk about some of the rumors there? Or just shelve them. Yeah, we'll, we'll just shelve them for now. But um, you know, UCF to me looked like a team against KU that had that there was that seemed to be quite a bit of quit on that field when they played KU on Saturday night. Um, KU just thrashed them. 
Um, and then you've got, you know, you've got West Virginia who are, you know, playing, who, who are doing everything to keep Neil Brown's job and playing uh, above their, maybe they're punching above their weight, but I, I, I just don't see them having a quarterback that really threatens OU's defense on, on a certain level. Um, maybe a low scoring, maybe it may not be a high, a high flying game, but I just don't see them having the offense to really to, to, to put OU kind of in jeopardy. And then I BYU, I don't see the defense and I don't see the defense and a, and a quarterback that really worries me. Um, you know, TCU is TCU appears to be paying the karmic price for last season a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they got it. They got hammered, but I, by Iowa state and, and Ames, um, that game wasn't that close. They just got hammered. Uh, so it's just, I don't see an opponent that has that quarterback like Will Howard last year kind of um, playing above his, or even Max Duggan, you know, playing above his his capability. None of the, none of the quarterbacks were playing looked that way. Um, Bedlam might be interesting if Bowman, um, and if, if what we saw against K-State was Oklahoma State really finding things versus what it looked like to me was K-State just laid an egg and Kleinman was kind of coaching. I don't know what he was doing. Um, so I, I see 12-0. and 0. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give you my conference championship game here. So I want to go away from the chalk, the obvious OU-Texas rematch. So here's what Ooh. I think is going to happen. I think Texas is going to drop a game, just one of those sleepwalking through those games on the road, sleepwalk what happens. And I think OU beats West Virginia, but the Neil Brown savior campaign continues and OU has a rematch in West Virginia in Jerry world with like 80,000 OU fans because nobody from West Virginia has bought any tickets or thought they were going to thought they were going to end up there. And OU fans are picking up Texas uh, CCG tickets on the cheap left and right. And uh, that's the conference championship game. 12 and 0 OU versus a, Mythical, unbelievable, um, ten and two, but one loss in Big Twelve play, West Virginia. Wow! I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I almost don't know what to say because West Virginia—they're one of those really odd ones. Like when you break it out and you look at them, oh, yeah. and just how yeah. they, how they, how they've won the games they've won. I'm not sure. <laughs> But they have, a, they have a terrible schedule coming up, though. It's all winnable. Do they? Do they play Texas? No. No. They don't. Because here's the, like, the, the thing about Houston, West Virginia. It's is, Houston, Oklahoma State. I think it's UCF. I mean, it's it's awful. It just feels like they have such a small margin of error. You know, it's yeah, one of those do. things where if, if Houston game plan just right and had a big, you know, if, if Hogo – did a great job with his scripted plays, and they were able to get 14 on on West Virginia in the first quarter and could score 17 total. And I know I say that Houston's defense apparently is really bad. So I, I could be – I may be not given enough credit for uh, West Virginia's ability to just find ways to win. And I think the little bit I've seen of West Virginia, I think what's helping them is they are good along the line of scrimmage. Offensively right, so here, and defensively. Here, here's their schedule. They got Houston, Oklahoma State, 
um, at, in in West Virginia, UCF at UCF, and I think UCF could be circling the drain by that point. Um, they get BYU again in West Virginia. They got to play at Oklahoma, but they get Cincinnati in West Virginia, and then they end with what could be a completely demoralized, uh, collapsing Baylor team and the last game of the year. That's that we could we could actually dig into that one if we wanted because that is a I'm shocked at how bad Baylor is. And when you look at the, like their numbers on defense, they're one of the worst defenses in the country. They're giving up like north of they're in the same in the same area as UCF and rush defense. They're giving up like tech, two two twenty a game. Tech thrashed them in Waco. I mean, it was it wasn't, and they had sharp. They had um, Blake Sharp. Sorry, Blake Shapen back, not Sharpen. Shaping back, um, but I mean, Houston, Oklahoma State, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Baylor. You can't tell me after what we've seen from West Virginia's defense that those games, those five games, are at least toss up. Those, uh, sorry, those seven games are at least toss ups. Those six games they have beyond Oklahoma are at least toss ups. Yeah, and they got yeah. and they get the, the teams that may have some momentum. Oklahoma State, BYU, and Cincinnati, or at least have better talent. They get them in West. We get them in Morgan, in Morgantown, and we know that's a big home field advantage. Yeah, it actually is right. They they are a better team in Morgantown. Oh, for sure. And their road games are at UCF, Baylor, and Houston. West Virginia. Yeah, that's their their road games. That they play OU and Norman. Obviously, I'm giving yeah. them the OU loss, but. Yeah, and and that that make, and they've lost to Penn State, but that makes them ten and two and a one loss team in Big Twelve play. And honestly, that's a, if if they go ten and two and their losses are to a top ten Penn State and a top ten Oklahoma, you're like, I mean, that would be yeah, it would definitely save Neil Brown's job. I uh, the thing with what Big Twelve is, it seems for week to week outside of Oklahoma and Texas, just wildly like flip yeah, a coin. It's, it's you never know who's going to show up. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just, you know, no, like you talk, you pointed this out, right? Like none of them have, nobody has like consistently good quarterback play. And yeah. then on top of that, none of them are able to control the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball with any consistency. Right. Yeah, not, I think to me, that's why I think Oklahoma's going to face Texas again. Is I think yeah. uh, you're probably right. I just wanted just, to have a, I just wanted to have a, a realistic scenario that where it, the, the rematch doesn't happen. Hey, right? Honestly, you know, you're uh, like realistically, you're West. Looking at that schedule, it's a potential. Like there, I don't know what the odds are, right? Because again, you just never know with any of these schools. But if you said West Virginia wins all those games minus Oklahoma, I'd say okay. Absolutely, it's absolutely possible. And if you told me they they lose to Oklahoma and they drop one to let's say Oklahoma State, but let's say that Texas gets upset by somebody, you know, it's potential, right? And uh, I don't know how that would how that would shake out. I don't know what the tiebreaker. I don't know what they don't play. I don't know what the tiebreaker is either. I mean, maybe that ranked higher, but uh, yeah, I think Texas. Yeah, and this is to me what Texas would win that probably, right? Yeah, I would think so. They'll have the name brand. Unless it's a bad, like a bad loss, and but this is a, it's a good it's a good Texas team. You know they're they're really yeah, good on the yeah, line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah they they've got a run game that's emerging. Uh, and so I, honestly, though, I think that's why to me it makes the it makes that win that much better. Is this? It's not a fake. It's not a fake Texas team. It's a talented Texas team that's built. Yeah. 
good on the line of scrimmage. They're really talented. You know, on a neutral field, Oklahoma beat them uh, with, you know, Oklahoma being super banged up. They won the game with their stud wide receiver on the sideline, with their starting, both starting guards not playing, backup guards uh, inserted in there, and with a Second string, well, second, with a rotational safety playing at corner because corners one, two, and three were all down, and they went out and they won that game. Like that's yeah. all the all the talk of like, oh, Oklahoma played this unbelievable game, and Texas just like that's a complete load of shit. But morons well, pair it because they don't often, look at anything. How often do you win a game when you have a pump block touchdown on? It's your, something like ninety two or ninety three. It's something like ninety two or right. Yeah, it's that's like that or or a or a positive, like flip it around, right? If you if you block a punt for a touchdown, you win that game ninety percent of the time, right? Something like that. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the that's the metric. There's stats out there, but you know, uh, a punt, a interception return for a touchdown is somewhere like eighty five, close. You know, eight, it's it's yeah. mid eighties, I believe. But a a punt block or a kick block for a touchdown is uh, is low ninety percentage. And I mean, yeah, Oklahoma could not have played worse. I don't think uh, from a from a, a special teams perspective, right? And so you've got backups all over the field. Special teams just crap the bed, and, and you beat a top three team on a neutral site. So uh, yeah, it's, to me, it's again, it's uh, I think we'll I think we'll see them again. How that game goes, I think uh, I'm. Most interested to see the development of so many players in the Oklahoma roster over the next six games. I mean, and we didn't even mention it, but before we get to our final four guesses, I mean, Caden Green and Caleb Schaefer as the two guards could be night and day. Well, the talk is uh, Matire, you know, his ankle is not as bad, but yeah, I mean, and uh, who knows? Well, even if he's out, even if he's out three weeks, right? And then those three weeks, Caleb Schaefer. And we With may reps, see reps and reps. He just gets better and better. I mean, when you and, when Bill Bill won't sub out guys if the line starts moving and a running back starts getting going, he's not going to sub out guys. He won't. Oh, and, and the same thing. You know, we may see. I don't know if this. Could, I don't know if this will happen. But given that, hey, now we have a bit of a hole at right guard. Maybe you see whether it's Bird kick over to right guard, or maybe you see Sexton, uh, not Sexton, but maybe you see Jake Taylor. Taylor, Taylor. Maybe they say, hey, you played right guard last year. You know it. Let's kick you in here. Let's at least give it a run. We're not just going to hand it over to you know, anybody. Let's give it a run. And maybe, yeah, that would give you going into Texas the second time instead of your two guards being you know, 6'2", 295, and maybe 6'3". I guess every goes 6'3". Six, six, 295, 300, and, and six, three and a half, six, four. And, you know, McTwire's just not a, you know, super stout guy. You, you would have, you know, you'd have two, six, six, 320 pound, you know, guards that are uh, a bit more maulers in, in Taylor and, uh, and Green to hold up against, you know, some of the advantages that, that a guy like Sweat enjoyed would be, would be diminished physically. All right, Caleb, it's, it's final four time, so I'll, I'll give you a break. I'm going to go with my four. So um, I'm, I'm, smoking, I'm, I'm, I'm smoking the hopium pipe. The, 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 I've got the hopium pipe on, on full, full, full load. Um, I'm, I'm going with Oklahoma 
Oregon, Georgia, and Michigan. Oh, shit. That was my top four. (laughs) (laughs) I even pulled the schedules up and rolled through them, and I was like, okay, USC has by far the most difficult schedule in the remaining, you know, uh, because Oregon Oregon avoids uh, UCLA. You know, and they'll probably get, they'll get Utah Rising's not going to be there, right? So they get Washington, Washington State, really tough games, uh, and they'll get USC. But I think the way Oregon plays defense and runs the ball, that USC game could be pretty dangerous in the sense of USC could get beat pretty bad. You know, at least yeah. it could be one of those games where it ends up, you know, 55-30 and they lose by 25 points, you know, just because of, again, I think what Oregon is. and uh, Two two conference losses and I'm not sure whether Caleb might not have an ankle injury. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I'm not sure if it's it's like, hey, my hamstring is just a little tight and it's ow, tweaked up. Ow, ow, I just tweaked it. Yeah. Um, doing that Wendy's commercial. Man, those, <laughs> those quarter pounders are tough to lift, tough to look, you know, Pick up. I just tweaked my hamstring. Yeah, I mean, if I was gonna, if the only okay, so to be to try to be different, and I, I, I just can't. I don't think I can pick Alabama to win the SEC. I'd have to go Georgia. They're just oh, Jalen Mil- Milrow doesn't look like a quarterback who can beat Georgia. No, you know, and I, I hate that you see like his adjusted uh, quarterback rating. That the one there's two of them, right? There's one that really weighs in, that weighs heavily on like rush attempts and scrambles, and he's real high in that. And then the other one that does not, you know, add that as a as a factor, he's really low. And the other part yeah. is like it's pretty again, like just seeing some of the numbers today. Alabama does not run the ball at least on average, the way you would expect from an Alabama team, particularly with a mobile quarterback. I think they average 140 yards rushing a game, maybe 141. But it's somewhere – it's 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 right there, about 140 yards rushing a game. And for and an Alabama – 60, 60 from Milrow a game, easy. Oh, yeah. You think you've got – you know, oh, <laughs> you got probably what – I'm sure they've got three to four backs that were either five-star or top, you know, top 50 players in the country. They were all probably top three, top five recruits at their position. You've got a quarterback that's as mobile as anybody on the planet and uh, an offensive line that's full of, again, you know, former highly ranked, highly recruited kids. And they're just not running the ball against what has been the, you know, I, they did play Texas. So they didn't have a, you know, a, the, and A&M, the, A&M's loaded with five-star D line, if nothing else. So yeah. Yeah. But playing, you know, they're it's I want to say Miami moved. Didn't Miami run the ball on on A and M? So it's uh, not. I think Van 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 Dyne passed on them. A big, I think it was a big bad passing play from that game. But okay, okay, but yeah, I don't, so, no, I don't have total recall on that game either. So it's just really difficult to see uh, to see Alabama. No, you're right. They only ran for 77 yards against A and M. It's really difficult seeing Alabama beat Georgia, and I can't see anybody upsetting Georgia. Uh, you know, I don't, I know everybody's saying, Hey, look what they did to Kentucky. I, you know, I think, uh, I, I still, I'm not all the way in. I don't think Georgia is, this is shocking to say this because a year or two years ago, even when, like when Riley was here, you know, it was, you, you knew if Oklahoma played like a Georgia, they'd get crushed. Right. Uh, the way Oklahoma's defense plays and with, with with Brent and Ted Roof, got to give him credit, right? I know nobody wants to, uh, and but 
like, but with the way Oklahoma's defense plays and then the offensive line, at least at tackle, you know, you've got two NFL guys that are holding up against everybody, which, you know, changes, you know, it helps in protection so much. I, there's just not anybody on the schedule or anybody in the country, rather, that Oklahoma can't beat. I'm not saying they should, or they would, I'm not saying they'd be favored. I'm not saying if they played 10 times right. out of 10, you know, they win nine. I'm just, you know, when you really look at, again, like defense travels, you know, and I just look back on that good example being that Clemson team with, you know, DJ that was uh, his first year starting, that was bad, right? They played Georgia yeah. early at Georgia, held them to 10 points. A Georgia team that went and stomped everybody and won a national championship. Well, the, and the only actually actually they the only way it was a pick six. It was they a held pick a, six. That they held their, they held their offense to three points. The game yeah. would have been three three if not for a pick six. So yeah, you're right. It, yeah. they, they held them to three points, and so uh, you know I know I mean Oklahoma's defense isn't as good as that Clemson defense, but you know same time. There's not any offense out there that's trotting out five NFL offensive linemen and multiple NFL running backs. And, uh, you know, you don't have Bryce Young quarterbacking Alabama and you don't have CJ Stroud quarterbacking Ohio State. You know, it's just, uh, it's a different, it's a different landscape this year with, uh, with how it's put together. There are some, I think, really good offenses like at Washington, but their defense isn't, you know, isn't great. And uh, they're yeah, not, they're not great running the ball either. And they no, don't, they're not. Don't have the, they don't have the same O line they had last year. They lost a couple of guys to the NFL from that O line. Yeah, it's it's just um, it's wild that we're sitting here October. Uh, all right, 11th. so you've got Georgia, you've got Georgia, Oregon, Michigan. Are you are you Michigan, Oklahoma, Oklahoma? So you and I, despite not having talked about this at all. And me just throwing that together, <laughs> literally seconds before uh, I threw if it out I wanted, there. If I wanted to go different, I'll say, okay, so just for the sake of being different, I'll, I'll go different. And I will say the it'll be Oklahoma, Georgia, Michigan, and Texas. So a third, a third matchup? You know, I would say, well, I think uh, no. I, I would say in that sense, you'll probably get what Michigan or Ohio State will be one and two. Uh, in that, we would have to say that Texas upsets Oklahoma in a rematch or gets them in the Big Twelve title game in a close game, and that you get them at three and four. And so, let's say you get you know Georgia uh, against Oklahoma and, and uh, Michigan against it'll Texas. Be, or, it would be his, it'd be hysterical. The final year of the four BCS, let's say Georgia has a meltdown we can't quite understand, right? They drop a game and they they lose to a two-loss Alabama in the SEC championship games. They've got two losses. And you end up having uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, Penn State, Final Four. Right. <laughs> the, I the mean, Pac-12 Pac cannibalized itself in a, in a bizarre melee of great games. Like, it's just Fantastic Boy. football, and we're watching everything. But they're just quietly racking up losses in the in the inter in the intermele in the intermelee. Right? We're like, okay, well, the best, well, the Pac-12 maybe has the best team. We just don't know who it is, right? Like four, ten, and two teams, or something like that, or nine and three teams. And we're like, okay, none of them are going. It's a shame. None of them are going to. The, you know, it's a shame it's not the bigger playoff where we can put three of these guys in the top twelve teams. But we're going to go with the other thing. Oklahoma's got one loss. Texas has got one loss. Michigan has one loss. And let's just say for Penn State has one loss. And let's just say 
the SEC, which doesn't have the usual out of conference strength to really buttress stuff, right? Let's just say, let's say Georgia, you know, sleepwalks through a game at Rocky Top, right? Just sleepwalks that game. And Milton, yeah. uh. Milton, Milton, Milton found, finds his passing arm for just one night. And then they play, let's say they play a three loss LSU team in the, SEC championship ring and Jaden Daniels just goes off on them, right? And they, and they don't. Carson Beck and the Georgia offense just can't keep up, right? They, well, they make mistakes trying to keep up or something like that. Yeah. And then Georgia's got two, two losses to a three loss LSU team and a, you know, three loss tennis, four loss Tennessee team. And you're like, well, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got Penn State, you know, you know, oh, the OU. Texas rematch goes to like overtime or something ridiculous like that, right? Where it's like they played one classic, they played another classic. We've got like no margin to compare the teams, right? It's like this, you know, we won one, one brilliant game, won one, the other, the other brilliant game, right? We got no margin to, to decide the two, right? So well, what's wild is, you know, I, I think for the first time, maybe ever, I, I, not ever, but the first time since the early 2000s, since the Big 12 was running college football with, you know, uh, Oklahoma and Texas and Kansas State and Nebraska and Missouri and, you know, when they were all, you know, top 15, top 20 teams. Since then, you know, the SEC has been, however you want to look at it, maybe more the deeper and you'd also say, hey, they're always been the top heavy. This year, I, you know, to me, you come out at it and you look at it and say, okay, Big 12 is better at the top. Right, I think Texas and Oklahoma are, are 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 you know if you if you ranked if they were in the SEC they'd be you know two three or one two or one three right Georgia would be in there but not Alabama uh, in in I, I think if you look at the, the Big Ten they're better than the SEC the Pac twelve they're better than the SEC this year the SEC is just not real good uh, this year you know Tennessee has really struggled they. For some reason, can't throw the football at all. Uh, Ole Miss, you know, kind of just an Ole Miss team. Uh, they get ranked high because they're in the SEC, right? Love to see Ole Miss USC play for four and a half hours, sixty-two, sixty-five, or something like that. That's sure. <laughs> if you want to watch, if you want to, if that's your idea of football, that's a, roll yeah, it out, right? Interesting Cotton Bowl. Uh, but no, it's it's you know, if you told me, hey, the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or the Big Twelve get two teams in, I'd say okay. Can absolutely see it. I, I don't think you know, obviously there's not think there's any chance that the SEC does. But if you told me, you know, I think the one team we both sk- skipped over was Florida State. You know, so uh, uh, yeah, I, I I think they're gonna. I think I think they have a trip up. I don't know where and I don't know how. Um, they did they beat Clemson, but that wasn't really at this. That wasn't a, it wasn't a decisive win. No, no, it's not not a great Clemson team, and it took kind of all they had to. Uh, yeah, kind of, all they know, that, had that, to get them that 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 uh, quarterback fumble for a touchdown, and, and Dabo doing some strange late game play calling stuff. Um, yeah. They'll get they get so, you know the final two of their two of their final three are Miami and Florida. I know Florida's not great, but uh, you know. If uh, it's a rivalry game and, and you never know what will happen and in that. And Napier you know. may need something. He may be, he may need that game. Um, uh, depending upon how the rest of things play out, I, I doubt they fire him. But he's, you know, he, he's, he's not looking, not looking great. So, but um, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's interesting. Um, 
Well, well, guys, I hope you appreciate the second half of our podcast tonight. Uh, we delving in a little bit about the Red River game. Obviously, it's such a big game and, and, and has so many of the things we've been talking about in this offseason kind of came to roost or came to fruition in the Texas game. I just wanted to have a chance to give Caleb a chance to talk about it a little bit more. And, and I think it's going to have a big, the 6-0 and is going to have a big, we're going to see the recruiting results from this. It's, they may not see it this class, but 2025, if OU's 12-0 going into Dallas, you're going to, into Arlington to replay Texas, you're going to start, that, that will have a recruiting impact in 2025 in the spring. You will see, you'll see, you'll see a bump from OU and who's coming into campus. And that seems almost impossible to say after back, what could be back-to-back top five classes. But um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners 360, Caleb Cummings. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for joining me, Caleb, and talking all this. You can find Caleb on our message board as well. You can also follow me at CM underscore Sooners 360 on X. And we try to give you guys good recruiting content every week on this podcast. Thanks so much for subscribing and enjoying it. Bye-bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.